they believe this summer has ended. Even on my Casey's app, I got a my smartphone, I got a Casey's app on there. I'd love to go to Casey's on the south side of Princeton. I got to get my favorite drink. What is it? Yep, Diet Mountain Dew. Fountain drink's even better than the bottle. So I go there and I get my drink. And sometimes I'll take my, uh, Anna and Jasper there when they get off the bus. And I'll get their little snack and all that kind of stuff. And everything you purchase there, you get points. And they had this thing called Summer of Savings. And you get to play this little game on there, and you had a little scratch off, and you can win bonus points, 50, sometimes little bonus points to help you accumulate points. The accumulation of points gets you discounts on your gasoline. It all works pretty well. But this week, this past week, they dropped the Summer of Savings program. So then that means then their definition and their mind, summer is over. I look at the calendar and see we're still in summer. So what that means for all of us is that we still are in our summer series. We're having this year for gleanings from Genesis. So today, we advance to week number 10, if you're keeping count. And if you're keeping count, also, we advance to week number 3 of Joseph. And today, we happen to land a few chapters further than we were last week into chapter 41. Now, chapter 41, listen, has 57 verses in it. I know, right? We're not going to read all 57. But we're going to refer to a lot of them because what happens in chapter 41 determines what happens to the rest of Joseph's life. As you may see by the title, chapter 41 involves, once again, dreams. But they're not dreams this time by Joseph. They are dreams by a guy named Pharaoh or a government official named Pharaoh. Be like our president is the Pharaoh or the person in charge over all of Egypt. And we'll see then, as Pharaoh has these dreams, it's going to change Joseph's life considerably. Joseph is about to completely go in a different direction than he has at any time prior in his life. So chapter 41 is critical as we understand Joseph, and we can apply that then to our lives. So we will do so today. So stand with me this morning if you're able to. We're going to read a segment of chapter 41. We're going to skip and jump a few verses. You'll see as we get ready to read it. We're going to start at the very beginning of chapter 41 and read through verse 8. Then we'll hop over and catch some others. So chapter 41 in Genesis, verse 1, says, After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows. And Pharaoh awoke. Verse 5, he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all his wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Now we jump to verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that you 
that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the favorable answer. Now we repeat the dream pretty much of 18 through 24, so we leave to bit verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. And the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, where it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and will shortly God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and storing of grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities, and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so the land may not perish through the famine. Father, Lord, we ask you, Lord, today to bless this reading. We pray, Lord, today as we begin to discuss a critical moment in Joseph's life, they will eventually recognize why this also is pertinent to us, of why we need to know this and understand this and how we can even apply what's happening in Joseph's life eventually to our lives. Lord, so we ask then that you anoint this time where we're together today, that you allow the words to be spoken today, not words I want to speak, but the words that you want us to hear. Let's open our hearts and receive this message today that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to begin again by going back to the text and not going to read it all again, but begin to analyze it a little bit for a little bit of understanding and eventually some application. We're going to have a lot of end-loaded application today, so bear with me as we work through a lot of the text. So notice in the very beginning, verse 1 starts by telling us it had been two whole years. Now, we skipped chapter 40, but it's referring to the fact that Joseph, you remember, has some trumped-up charges brought against him by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar was upset, placed Joseph in prison. So it's been two full years since that has happened. And since Joseph has been in prison, Pharaoh has become in charge of all of Egypt. And at first glance, then, as you get in verses 1 through 8, it appears then that a very confusing dream comes to Pharaoh of Egypt. Not only is the dream a bit confusing, but it seems to give Pharaoh a lot of great distress, as mentioned in verse 8. But in the dream, Pharaoh, in his dream, sees seven well-fed cattle emerge from the Nile and graze among the plants. These are followed, these attractive, well-fed cattle are followed by ugly, thin, even bony-looking cattle that come out of the river and eat the fat cow. Now stop there for a minute. I dream a lot. I don't know if you dream very much, whether you dream in color or not. I mean, that's a discussion maybe for another time, but 
I have a lot of sometimes silly dreams, even maybe on the border of bizarre, but I've never dreamed about fat cows consuming ugly thin cows. It's never happened. Now, my dream last night, I woke up this morning, sometimes I had dreams, I don't even remember them until something triggers it. But last night, I remembered I dreamed that my boss, Joe Menifee, who hasn't been my boss in at least 12 years, was giving me directions to get to payola. I don't, I've never been to payola. I know kind of where it's at. I don't know why they go into payola. I mean, I go to races a lot, but there's not more than payola. But he was giving me directions, and I was not understanding them. And he was getting angry and aggravated at me. And then I woke up. So I, I don't know what all that meant, except for the fact that I hadn't seen Joe in at least six years. He ain't been my boss at least 12 years. Maybe I'm about to meet him again. I don't know. But dreams just happen to us. But I've never had anything as bizarre as Pharaoh's dream here about the cows. But then notice it's not one dream. It also has a second. After he has that first dream, he goes back to sleep and begins to have another dream. This time, it involves seven heads of weathered grain that consumes seven heads of fully healthy grain. In essence, it repeats the first dream. But just different kind of figures. I mean, it's like now the second's grain instead of cows. And in verse 8, again, Pharaoh is greatly distressed. Why? Because nobody can interpret the dream. Pharaoh desperately wants someone to interpret the dream. So to remind him then that there is one who has seemingly such a gift. His name is Joseph. Why call Joseph? Why do they say Joseph can interpret dreams? Because in the previous chapter, in chapter 40, Joseph did do that. While he was in prison, there was a dream by the cupbearer and the butler, and Joseph correctly interpreted the dreams. So word has gotten out that Joseph can interpret dreams. So in verses 14 through 16, then they summon Joseph to come to Pharaoh. They get him up. They get him out of the pit. They bring him in. And they got to get him all kind of cleaned up, according to what we find in verses 14 through 16. And we stop here for a moment. Because a couple of things emerge that maybe we have to expand upon and maybe even apply. First, observe this. Observe the fact that Joseph must get cleaned up before coming to Pharaoh. Now, as you hear that, what processes through my mind is, why would Joseph have to get cleaned up? And we have to remember that Joseph, where he's at, is in prison. It's not a prison or a jail cell like we may think about today, may have visited, hopefully not been in, but may have even seen on TV. It's not like maybe we have seen or heard about. This is a prison, as described in chapter 40, verse 15, that's called a cistern or a pit. Even verse 14 today calls it a pit. So it's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty atmosphere where Joseph is living for these last couple of years in this prison. So Joseph's appearance, his physical appearance, and particularly his clothing, are most likely torn, mildewy, smelly, and dirty. His outward appearance physically could be described maybe as even grotesque. He needs cleaned from the odor that has maybe attached into his body. But it also refers to the fact that he needs a shave. Now, the fact is that in that particular time, Egyptian men 
did not have beards in that particular day, where Hebrew do. Hebrew men would have beards. And so for Egyptian to appear, or for a Hebrew to appear in front of Egyptian, mean they had to actually shave their beard because Egyptians wouldn't accept that. So he had to be shaved. He had to change his clothes in order to meet favor. The narrator here emphasizes that in this particular instance, he shaves, Joseph has to shave, he puts on new clothing as only appropriate for anyone who's about to visit the Pharaoh. In short, he must be cleaned up. He must be cleaned up before coming in the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh will not accept anyone to come in his presence that borders on disgusting. Aren't we really blessed that God just accepts us as we are? When you start thinking about everything that Joseph had to do just to go forward, a common man. I mean, yeah, he's elevated to a position that makes him in charge of all of Egypt. But he has to have go all these things to be cleaned up before he can go to Pharaoh. And we're just extremely blessed that God will accept us with all the faults and the flaws. You come smelly, God will still accept you as you are. You come dirty, God still accepts you as you are. I mean, we all appear as dirty rags before God. That's what it tells in Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So while Joseph has to go through all these different things to be cleaned up, to make himself presentable to Pharaoh, we're blessed to know that in our condition that we live right now, in any particular day, God will accept us as we are. That's the first observation. And the second is maybe this. I'm going back to verses 14 and 16. Then notice in verse 15 that Pharaoh inquires of Joseph's special ability. And Joseph then immediately, verse 16, rebukes and states clearly to Pharaoh, it's not him, it's not me that can do this, Pharaoh, it's God. So Joseph has taken an opportunity here to make sure that God gets the glory. He did not steal the glory. He did not take the glory for interpreting dreams. He gives the glory rightly to God. I mean, think about it for a moment. How easily Joseph has been in a stinky, filthy, dirty environment for two years. How easily it would have been for Joseph when Pharaoh He's him all cleaned up and is in front of Pharaoh. How easy, when Pharaoh says, I understand, young man, you can interpret dreams. How easy it would have been for him to say, yes, sir, I can do that. I can be able to interpret those dreams. Because if he had done that, highly likely Pharaoh would have uh, the dream interpreted and he would have been rewarded out of the pit. How easy he could have done that. But that's not who Joseph is. Joseph has grown. We saw evidence of Joseph's growth in the last chapter. We saw evidence that he has now maturity in his faith. He is now dependent on God. God's led him through moments of adversity and hardship and brought him through it. I mean, even though he had moments of, of good fortune, I mean, he had uh, one time in charge of all Potiphar things until you know his wife brought these trumped-up charges against him and placed him in prison, he still is faithful to God in the midst of all these things. And he now takes no glory, no credit 
for a special ability or gift or talent's been given to him. He doesn't steal the glory from God. He says, God can do this, not me. The application there is, do we do that? Do we take credit at times in our life for something that we've achieved that really God gave us the ability to do? Do we recognize the gift that we have been given or maybe a special talent? It's really from God. And so we give him the glory. Do we actually give him the glory or do we take it for ourselves? I mentioned earlier how I love to go to racing. I mean, any kind of dirt track within Indiana or even within the tri-state area, if I get a chance to go, I'll be there. A lot of times Kayla accompanies me and sometimes Sheila. But there was a race we went to a couple of weeks ago called SmackDown in Kokomo. And the person that we that I like to follow the most is from Princeton called Kyle Cummins. Kyle Cummins had a world-class night on the, open, on the final race night on a Saturday evening. They had a 30-lap feature. And Kyle was not starting on the pole, but he was pretty close. But he ran, he, he led all 30 laps. He won $35,000 that night in that race. But at the end of the race, here's the thing I want to tell you. At the end of the race, you know, he's excited. I mean, he's on top of the car celebrating. they got confetti going everywhere. I mean, everybody who's in Princeton is running out on the track, and they're all celebrating together. The, the crews all come in because it was filmed live, and they get Kyle ready for the interview. And when you get Kyle to the interview, the very first thing he does is I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the very first thing he does. Every time he wins a race, and he wins quite often, the very first thing he does, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He don't take the glory. He don't try to steal it from God. He makes it evident to all the fans who are there who gave him the ability to be able to win that race. It gives the glory to God. And Pharaoh here, although he thinks that Joseph had a special ability, Joseph quick to pronounce to him and to let him know, it's not me. It's not even about me. I have maybe the ability to do this, but that's a gift from God. And God gets the glory. God gets the credit. It's the same thing we need to do. We all have special gifts and talents, but God has given us that. And to God, give the glory. But back to the story. Notice in verses 25 through 31, we said that Joseph is clean, he's shaven, he's maybe got this new wardrobe on, and now he stands before Pharaoh. And he tells him then the meaning of the dreams. Verses 25 through 31, the dreams are given to Pharaoh, what, what, it, what it will be. Basically, there's going to be a famine in seven years. Before the famine, which the famine will last seven years, there'll be seven years of abundance of plenty so that the people of Egypt will be able to withstand the severity of the famine when it occurs. That's the essence of verses 25 through 31. We also read together verses 33 through 36. Because even further then, not only does Joseph tell Pharaoh the dreams and what they mean, he actually advises Pharaoh to find a wise person that can oversee the storage and distributing of the grain. In verse 33, he says, select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Verse 34, he even says, take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. Verse 35, gather all the fruit of these good years, store them. Store them. In verse 36, the food shall be reserved for land against the seven years of famine. So 
I mean, he even goes to the extreme when he's standing for Pharaoh, clean-shaven, presentable, to only tell him the meaning of the dream, but to give him a plan, an operating plan, for the next 14 years. And then that's where we ended our reading. But there's way much more to the story. We can't stop there. Because even though that's what happened in our story so far, unbeknownst to Joseph, Pharaoh was about to select him to be the man in charge. Look at verse 37. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this? In whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring in his, from his hand, put on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And he called up before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Joseph's life has just had an abrupt change. I mean, he has risen to the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. If you will, he's went from the prison or the pit to the palace or the penthouse. The most prominent position in Egypt has become his. Pharaoh has given Joseph the position that every man in Egypt would just beg for. Basically. Joseph has been rewarded for his faithfulness. One commentary stated, Joseph had been faithful over all the little things God sent him. Now he had become ruler over all the land of Egypt under Pharaoh. And that's where Joseph's at. I mean, it's remarkable we see Joseph had gone from so many different things in his life to now being the second highest of all the land. And all that happened is verse 46, we get into a little more of the text. It all happened when he was 30 years old, Joseph was 30 years old, verse 46, when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 13 years after he was sold by his brothers. In the very beginning of Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis 37, you learn really quickly the age of Joseph. He was 17. He had that obnoxious teenager coat that his father gave him because he was the father of Jacob's favorite. And he made sure he rubbed the brother's face into the middle of it. Had all these dreams. He told him all this different stuff. Joseph, in 13 years, has went from becoming an obnoxious teenager to being put into a pit, to be sold as a slave, now to be second all the land of Egypt. What an incredible journey Joseph has been on in 13 years. His life has been riddled with hardship. And now he's risen to power. John Hartley observes that Joseph's rise to this high position in a foreign government at the young age of 30 testifies that God watched over him during the hardships he had endured. Joseph's youthful dreams were remarkably fulfilled by this appointment. Joseph went to work, traveling throughout Egypt to gain a sense of the preparations that needed to be taken for the coming famine. So there it is. Joseph has met a remarkable life 
a lot of changes has occurred in his life in just a little over a dozen years. Thirteen years, a lot of things changed. He's risen to power. People are bowing to Joseph. His life has indeed had truly changed. He's in a very prominent position. But interestingly, Joseph now then is second in all the land. As you read further, he kept his heart true to God. In such a powerful position, he could have easily left the Lord. And he, he could have turned to all the worldly things they had to offer him. He, he had false gods he could have turned to. He had all the money, all these possessions. I mean, he could have easily allowed his success to go to his head and say, look, I'm all that and I'm a bag of chips. I got that shirt you gave me, by the way. I should have wore it today. He could have easily allowed to go to his head, but he didn't. He kept his heritage. He kept his heart true to God and remained faithful. And that is not speculation on my part, because if we look a little further in the chapter, we see that is indeed the case. Chapter 41, verse 44. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. That's power. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnathaniah, and he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Verse 50. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. The, second, the, the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So notice here, Pharaoh is trying to make, give Joseph a new identity. He, now Joseph is known as Zaphnathaniah. The meaning of the Egyptian name is not clearly known, but they look upon the Nath portion of it and said it refers to probably an Egyptian deity. But as a token now of Joseph's new prominent position, Pharaoh gives him a wife named Asenath, and it says from the priestly family of On, which, by the way, was also known as Heliopolis. But where she's from is a city that concentrates and focuses upon the center of, sun, of worship of the sun. They, they, think this, they worship the sun where she's from. Not S-O-N-S-U-N. They worship the sun where she's from. So Joseph has gone through all kinds of different changes. I mean, yeah, his life was indeed changed. Again, he went from the obnoxious teenager that his brother greatly despised. He's grown to man the Lord. Had loved, he loves the Lord. He stays faithful and true in moments of hardship. Now, even in the success that he sees, that the Lord rewards him with, he does not abandon the Lord. He's went through hardship, didn't abandon. Now he's had all the success. He stays true. Even when Pharaoh gives him a wife from a background of worshiping the sun gods, he stays true to God, the almighty, powerful, sovereign God. He stays true. One commentary stated, in spite of his success, he did not abandon his Israelite heritage. He gave his two sons, characteristically, Hebrew names. Manasseh, meaning forget, 
signified that God had made him forget the misery of a separation from his family. Ephraim, fruitful, signified that God had made him fruitful in the land of Egypt. So Joseph has a lot of success. He stays true to God through it all, through hardship, adversity, and also now success. Question, how often do people let fame, fortune, power, position go straight to their head and they quickly abandon God? We see it happen constantly. When they get a little bit successful, they think they've actually achieved something of their own by themselves. To quickly to put themselves in the spotlight and abandon anything they ever had as a help from God. But that's not Joseph. But so often people let fame, power, and position go straight to their head. I don't know Jackie Young all that well. When she plays for the Las Vegas Aces and she's a great basketball player. I was not in the end of the time she was playing basketball for Princeton. But what I hear about Jackie Young is that when she gets ready to have an interview, you know, she has gained a lot of fame. She's won gold medal. She goes across the world now playing basketball. I mean, her team is now going to the WNBA Finals. So she's, she's, she's done a lot in her young life, and she's earned a lot of money. She bought a new house for her mom. She has all these different things at her disposal. But any time I've ever heard anybody say anything about her or they're interviewing Jackie Young, she seems to remain humble, and she just calls herself a kid from Princeton. That's what we need to be like. We don't need fame, fortune, any kind of success we have go to our head. We need to be like Joseph and stay true to God. When we're highly successful, it's not us that put us ourselves there. I mean, we might have been dedicated and worked a little hard, but God gave us the ability to do so. Recognize God. Give him the glory. Give him the credit. Joseph didn't steal the spotlight. He didn't steal the fame from God. He didn't steal the glory from God. And he did not let it go to his head. Kent Hughes states, as we look at the life of Joseph, his whole life, it's clear that the Oval Office never did get to Joseph. He knew who he was, and he knew who God was. He knew that there was no power in himself. Joseph understood that the future was determined by God, not by a mere human king. And that's a great addition to the comments we've already made about Joseph and his life. It's remarkable. He takes up 13 chapters at the end of the book of Genesis. we got one more week we're going to talk about him and then come to an end, even for series. But Joseph had a remarkable change in his life in a matter really of a short period of time. But he stays true to God through it all. So this week really is a little bit of a vision for what we learned last week of Joseph. And we'll get one more week again next week. But maybe you're sitting there, maybe you're thinking, okay, there's a great addition to the story from last week. I greatly thank you. But what does all that mean to me personally? I said we've come to a lot of in-loaded applications, so here it comes. Because to answer the question, what does all that mean to me personally? I can glean from all this, you've been telling me about Joseph in his life, even the success he's had in 13 years through the hardship. Well, here's what we got. Notably last week, it was about overcoming adversity. Joseph provided an example that we can overcome any hardship we have in life by remembering that God is in control. God is always in control. And the fact that God is always with us. And because that is true, we always can exercise faith 
and remain in trust with God. This week, we recognize and add to Joseph's incredible journey his misfortune that he in life he's had misfortune, but he stayed true to God and now he receives rewards for his faithfulness. Again, let me say, this week we see that Joseph has all kinds of misfortune. He stayed true to God and he recognized then that Joseph has been rewarded for his faithfulness. So in short, work with me now, in short, Joseph has been given a new life. Joseph has been given a fresh start. He's went from all kinds of bad things to a second and highest position. He's went through a lot of adversity, remained true to God. God rewards him for his faithfulness. He is now given, if you will, a new life, a fresh start. Worsby adds, over a period of 13 years, God enabled Joseph to accomplish some wonderful things. He brought blessing to Potiphar's house and to the people in prison. He overcame temptation, and because of that, he endured false accusations and great injustice. Joseph was a man of faith who expected God to work, and he was ready and obedient when the call came. But there was one more achievement that in some ways was greatest of all. He was enabled by God's grace to wipe out the pain and the bad memories of the past and make a new beginning. He was enabled by God's grace to wipe out the pains and bad memories of the past and make a new beginning. The point is this. We're going to be asking ourselves today, are you still clinging to an old life you used to live? Are you still bitter maybe in life because you felt like you've been dealt like a bad deck of cards? You don't like the cards you've been dealt with? Are you angry over life not being fair? Still upset about things that happened in your past that you really didn't have any control of anyway? Is all these things still in your life? Bitter, resentment, resentment, bitterness, and anger? Is all that still in your life? Because bitterness, anger, and resentment will only lead you further from the Lord. I don't know anyone who's bitter and angry all the time who comes closer and closer to God. It seems most of the time it drives them further away. Bitterness, anger, and resentment will only lead you further from the Lord. On Monday evening, January 7th of 2013, actually I was standing outside my house in Texas. It's just a regular evening, really. I mean, in Texas, I did a lot more of the cooking and preparation of the house and different things like that. So I was outside doing some grilling, about to have some chicken and different things for dinner that night. And all of a sudden, I heard this loud noise. I didn't know at the time, but later I found out that 37-year-old Don Marie Adams was headed east on Highway 49, which is not far from our house. Maybe a couple miles, I could overhear what happened. But she stopped on a four-lane road to turn left onto County Road 4230. And when she slowed to come to a stop with her five-year-old daughter, Chloe, in the back and seven-year-old Emery in the back of the car, she come to a stop because you have to wait for oncoming traffic. There's no merge lane. There's no turn lane. She has to physically stop her car and begin to turn. A truck driven by 74-year-old Herbert Parr was coming full speed behind her. I didn't see her stop. Didn't see the signal. He took his Dodge truck and rammed it right back of her camera. That's, the, that's what noise I heard. I'm outside making supper. Again, it's a couple miles from my house, but I still heard it. 
Instantly, the five-year-old girl, girl, Chloe, was killed instantly. Emmerie, the seven-year-old, was transported to East Texas Medical Center in Tyler, where later she was also pronounced dead. Don Marie herself sustained injuries. 74-year-old man was able to walk away. There are going to be times in life where it just seems completely unfair. I mean, unfortunately, bad things do happen to good people. Maybe in your life, sometime you were mistreated. And maybe life became really hard for you at a certain turn of events. It just suddenly happened and unexpectedly. Bitterness and anger and resentment over these things will only lead you further to the Lord. When you think about the bad things that's happened in maybe your life, the same thing happened in Joseph's life. He's, he's had all kinds of adversity and hardship, but he did not allow the bitterness. He did not allow the bitterness and the anger to take root. I mean, how much Satan would have loved it if he had done that? If he would allow himself to get angry and to get mad or to get even, I mean, he had some charges brought up against him by a woman he had nothing to do with. I mean, how many people would want to get even or be bitter and angry over what that happened and transpired from that? I mean, he, Joseph is no different than any of us. He said all kinds of bad things happen to him, and bad things do happen. Life does get unfair. We sometimes do get dealt a bad deck of cards. It just happens. But through it all, Joseph stood faithful, trusting God. Now listen, and because he stayed faithful, trusting God, that allowed him to let go of the past. To let go of the false accusations and the mistreatment he received, the petty jealousy and the injustice he had been dealt with all life. And because he then trusted God, he is rewarded with the fresh start. He's rewarded with the new life. A fresh start was given to Joseph because he stayed true and faithful to God. Did you know that you can also awake to a fresh start every morning? Every morning you can awake to a fresh start. Yes, every day, every day something is likely to happen that could anger you. Every day we can get angry about something. It can even cause you to become bitter. But every day also, before we retire for the evening, before we go to bed at night, we can, we can, we can pray. We can ask God for forgiveness of the things that offended us that day, that we got angry about, and at the same time ask God to forgive us for the way we even reacted when it happened. And remarkably, God will forgive you. And when God forgives you, it gives you the ability when you wake up in the morning to start anew each day. A fresh new start every day is available for every one of us. A new life is available each and every day. I mean, you don't have to carry a bad attitude throughout the day and throughout your life. You don't have to remain angry and bitter all the time through every part of your life. because. God is there, and we have the ability to pray to him, and we can, give, we can seek forgiveness. We, we can get a fresh start every morning. And all it takes is trusting God and exercising your faith each and every day. When something happens that's negative, that's unfair, just trust God. 
He's under control. He's got it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get angry or upset. God has it. Seek your forgiveness, and he'll give you a fresh start. Worsby concludes saying it's a wonderful thing when we come through times of trial with the kind of attitude Joseph had, bearing past hurts and rejoicing in present blessings, being forgetful and fruitful at the same time. What a tragedy when people remember the painful things others have done to them and all their lives carry bitterness that robs them of peace and joy. Just as Joseph laid aside his prison clothes and made a new beginning, so we frequently need to take off the old hurts and put on a new attitude of faith and love. I wish I could have written that, because Worsby words it exactly as we need to receive it. What a tragedy when people remember the painful things others have done to them, and all their lives carry bitterness that robs them of peace and joy. And as they say, we need to be just like Joseph. Take off all that old junk, all that things that's happened, remain faithful and true to God, put on that new attitude of faith and love, and just enjoy life. Life's too short. Just enjoy life. The thing is this, pressures in life are enormous. We've all felt them. Life is full of stressful, tense-filled, often difficult moments. And any type of adversity just adds to the daily grind and the pressures that life demands. But still, God gives each of us a fresh start every day. Allowing us to become a Joseph and be forgetful and fruitful. That's the message we can receive from Joseph thus far. It's been a few years ago. In fact, I was still in Evansville pastoring Colbert Avenue Baptist Church. I was much more involved in association back then than maybe I am now. But there was a particular pastor, a young pastor who had, I mean, he, he was just young and, and he was aggressive and he was just really good. And you could just tell he was going to become something special. His name was Dale. We were shocked later to know that Dale had took his life. Pressure's life got to him. Bitterness, resentment, maybe some things happening that none of us really knew about. We just seen the outside, you know, we seen what seemed to be the veil we loved that just grew fond of. You know, but there's all these things happening, and we just need to sometimes get past those things, and sometimes we can't get past those things till we actually share those things. So we got a great church family. We can share things together. When things begin to happen in our life and begin to have something to unfold that seems greatly unfair, we can share it with one another, and we're always going to be there for each other to help each other through. But even when we're not there, God's still there. And we can just speak out loud to God. I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that just, just want to release a burden. You don't have to even really say anything sometimes. Sometimes they're just speaking and releasing a burden. And we can just be that soundboard. Because life is hard. It does get difficult. And the enemy would love for you to succumb to that pressure. But we don't have to. Because we got friends, because we got family, because we got God. We can get that fresh start, release our burdens, pray for forgiveness, exercise that faith that every day when something 
or something begins to get unfair, even negative, begins to happen, exercise that faith you have in God. Stay true to Him through it all and wake up each morning with a fresh start. God will reward you with a fresh start each day if you ask Him. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for this message of how we can look into the life of Joseph. Lord, just be thankful for what we can glean from his life, Lord, what we can learn and what we can apply. Lord, today I pray for all of us then as we gather here today and maybe even some people listening later, Lord, I just pray that all of us would hear this message and see that, yes, things do happen. And not always is it good things that happen. Sometimes it seems the bad things outnumber the good things. So, Lord, in that moment, we pray that, well, we just seek you and trust you that we would follow this example we can learn from Joseph. So I pray for anybody here today, Lord, who's going through some hardship, who's going through some difficulty, some adversity in their life, Lord, I, I pray that, that today, Lord, you, you'll take that from them. They'll just give it to you. And you help them go about this day, Lord, seeking peace, exercising faith and trust in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for offering us that. So we can know we can get it through your son. That's in his name we pray. Same with me this morning.